Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Jonas here with Mark and Fred again. Mark, you and I got into it on Twitter. You ready? <laughs> you ready to go today? It's go time. Well, see, this is the irony of the situation. I kind of feel like I have no more arguments. I can can't even be bothered arguing about it anymore because I feel like we <laughs> we hashed it out the other day, which is probably stupid on our part, doing it over Twitter and not saving it for the podcast itself. But uh, I'm sure um, I'm sure you can trigger me into a, a Vucevic uh, discussion once more. Uh, don't worry, I'll, I'll I'll trigger you. I'll I'll do my <laughs> best. I'll put on my Fred Pfeiffer triggering hat and uh, make sure miss- to do that. I missed this entire debate on Twitter, so this will be news for me and uh, for most of our audience. So I can't wait. It's good to see you guys. How are you guys doing? Just, just living the dream. How are you doing, Fred? I'm living the dream too, my friend. I can't complain. No one's listening. Things are fine here in Chicago as I look out on a beautiful, what so, is today, Thursday? Thursday uh, Thursday <laughs> evening. Yeah. It's, a very, <laughs> it's, been a long, it's been a long week, dudes. It's, it's a very sad day, though, because you have decided to decline coming to our Bulls Beat Bulls game party. No longer is Fred Pfeiffer going to show up. I'm going to be representing the beat all on my own. I mean, I don't know. Devastating. Devastating news. This was not my choice. Uh, Our company decided to make their kickoff during the 19th, 20th, and 21st downtown. So I have to uh, attend that event. And believe me, I'm there. I'll be there in spirit and in uh, with occasional tweets throughout the evening. I will throw a Cavs jersey on just so someone there is representing you, in your opinion. They're playing the Cavs that night? Yeah. I got the Cavs game specifically oh, so we could God see Okoro, just because I knew he was your boy. Averaging uh, almost 20 points over the last three games, just when Mark had some sarcastic, irritating tweet, he just turned it on. It's unbelievably one four in a row. Did you see the dunk he had? Anybody who hasn't yeah. seen this yet, the dunk against the Rockets was unfreaking believable And... Uh, that team is going to be scary. You know, all joking aside, let's be honest here, my friends. That team is going to be a tough team to beat in three to four years if Garland, Okoro, and especially Mobley continue on their uh, upward trends. What say you? I think you listed those guys kind of not in the exact right order uh, of key <laughs> oh, contributors. Okoro, <laughs> 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 Garland, <laughs> Mobley. <laughs> yeah. Now you got well, it in reverse order, which is at least an order, so... I mean, can I, can honestly, I ask a question, Fred? Go ahead. Are you not attending Doug's game because he wasn't attending the uh, podcast of Palooza or whatever the hell the thing was called uh, <laughs> that was meant to go ahead on the weekend that didn't go ahead? Yeah. Is this I had eye surgery. Fred's not like, I got a work thing. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly how it happened. Yeah, I called my marketing department scheduled for that day. No, of course not. In fact, Doug, I'm hoping you're going to make it to the rescheduled event, which is now the 27th. And I got a little quiz for you, Mark. I'm going to sing a little song that I wrote about a certain one of your favorite players. It's got to tie in with him. You ready? Have you seen our tiny little point guard? Have you seen him play? Someday soon I'll have to learn to say his name. Who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Ryan A. Ryan A. is going to be coming with the main lobsters, whatever that team is called, on the February 27th at the event, Bulls Podcast Palooza. We're going to get to see Ryan A. and hopefully Doug Tonitz. Are you going, Doug? I mean, not after you ditched my thing. Forget it. I'm out. <laughs> Do you I like that song, by the way? I that, wrote was, that, that was not bad. You know, Fred, you got Thank a pretty you. good singing voice. Much better, it's than, better than, than your Lonzo song. <laughs> Have people heard your Lonzo song? Because that was really bad. No, nobody's it heard was. it outside that of was. the don't, people don't, on Wild Yeah, don't play it again. Are you kidding? I thought it was... I thought it was pretty good. This one was no much music. better. Where was the music? It was just basically you saying a sentence and then some like in, in between those cuts of Nick Friedle's voice and then you say another sentence. There was like... And I had bells too. I had bells. bells. Yeah, yeah, you had the bells. <laughs> all right. All right. This, this is off the rails. Maybe we should just start <laughs> yeah. over. Right, and So there's not a lot of Bulls news, but the general COVID update for everyone is this. Uh, there are three games left before more or less everyone should be back. In three games, everyone should be back. Those games that are left are the Lakers on the 19th, the Rockets on the 20th, and the Raptors on the 22nd, assuming those games are played. Uh, The Lakers, I think, are also down to like eight, nine guys on their roster. I think there's a fair chance that that game gets canceled. 
the way the league is going, it wouldn't surprise me if they just put a pause for like a week on the whole league or something. I mean, like a lot of teams are in this boat, but we'll just see what happens there. But as of now, uh, the Bulls at most would be at a significant deficit for three games. We would expect that probably Kobe and Javante Green will almost for sure be back for all three of these games. DeMar DeRozan and Matt Thomas uh, are eligible to come back by the Lakers game. And if and I would expect both probably are back by that game as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, not a whole lot longer. And then hopefully we got herd immunity as Nikola Vucevic uh, joked about on Twitter, which I thought was at least they're keeping a good sense of humor about the whole thing. Well, I mean, yeah, this is a funny thing. Like, the Bulls have gone through their thing, but now the rest of the league is going through theirs. So, like, they may be ready to go by the Lakers game, potentially the Rockets game, maybe the Raptors game, whatever the situation is. But, like, those teams may not be ready to go. The league itself may not be ready to go. And it's an interesting time coming up, given that we're, like, essentially a week out from Christmas. And Christmas is obviously one of the, the marquee, you know, days of the calendar for the NBA. So, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Um, I would imagine they're going to try to push through this thing. But I think, um, was it Woj that tweeted just early before that 47 players uh, have entered health and safety protocols uh, in December? And there's there's been more players that have entered health and safety protocols this season compared to last. So, like, I, I don't know where this where this is headed. It, uh, uh, to me, it, it, they have to pause the season, but... I don't know if that's what the NBA wants to do or if, or they, sorry, I take that back. They clearly don't want to do that, but whether they do that or not, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting test case for Adam Silver and uh, the lads there at the NBA. I thought a lot of the reasons that there are more positives is because the changes in testing. Like I wasn't even aware that they weren't testing every day until after Thanksgiving. Apparently, according to uh, the, the Hoop Collective, um, I was listening last week, that's a lot of the reason that more people are in the health uh, protocols for that reason is that testing is actually occurring more often after the Thanksgiving break. What say you? But isn't that only occurring if your team has a positive? Like it's not necessarily the case just more generally that they're not testing every day. Like I believe, I could be mistaken, so maybe one of you guys can clarify, but no, that's I believe the Bulls were picking up so many positives because they were doing more tests than other teams because they had had an initial positive which led them to do more testing, whereas other teams who may not have had a positive weren't doing as many testing, potentially had asymptomatic players playing with COVID and there's actually more players than, that have COVID than what we know of. I, I think that's the case. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Yeah, I think that's true, but it wasn't zero testing. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you should still, like, if you got tested once every three or four days or once a week or whatever it was, you still should get hit with it. Like, I don't think it should be like, ah, some guys got five guys with COVID and they never, they just got away with it. I mean, they should all get nailed eventually, nailed as if it's like some crime. Uh, they should all test positive at some point, uh, even if they're asymptomatic, as long as... Uh, they get tested occasionally. But yeah, when you are tested daily, then all of a sudden you start seeing the trickle of, of stuff that the Bulls did where like every every day there was like one new guy and it just kept going and going and going. And that was definitely due to the increased testing that other teams you know, may not have been uh, subject to. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. The, the nice thing to some degree for the whole league though is if, if they do have huge waves of it and they get through it, then then you're kind of through it probably for like the rest of the season. Uh, you know, at least until April or so. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the league itself has a little bit of herd immunity, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm going to pivot to some trade rumors because I don't know. I, I feel like maybe we're all coveted out. Like, I, I, you know, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, what, what else is there to discuss? Last week, we, we all jumped on our soapbox about what the league should be doing, The you know, whether it's from a pure health and safety point of view, whether it's from a competitive advantage or disadvantage in the case of the Bulls. Like, I think there's, we've said what needs to be said on that front. Um, there's not really many updates on the, the COVID piece from a Bulls point of view. It's probably more around the league that's crumbling around them at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, could it, can I just ask a quick question on this topic? I, I do want to know, though, what do you both feel the league should do? Like, what do you think the best case, if you were running the league, what would you do? I'll start out with you, Mark. Well, if I was running the league, I would be fired immediately because I would not be, uh, I would not be, pro uh, you know, I, I guess prioritizing profits and those sorts of things, which is clearly what's going on here. Like they're, they're wanting to push through games because, you know, the, the league is trying to recoup money that they've lost for years now just during this whole pandemic. So 
they're trying to get their money back. They're trying to keep games as is. They've obviously put put ahead an 82-game schedule, whereas last year they didn't have an 82-game schedule. I think they released the first half, and then based on where that sat, then they released the second half schedule. So they're trying to push through as as if things are normal, whereas clearly things are not normal now. So I, I'm always thinking about this from a pure health and safety point of view, less so for the players themselves, because you assume the majority of these guys will be healthy. That's an assumption that could be incorrect. Um, but my issue is with like there's so many people connected to these teams, whether it's within the team itself or like the Bulls, like Bill Wennington, Stacey King, um, you know, Walt Frazier for the Knicks. They're all in health and safety protocols. These guys are just there on the sidelines uh, commentating the games and, and they're older dudes and who are more at risk of, of COVID, whatever, you know, variant it is. Um, that's my concern. Um, not to mention, obviously, the fans and those sorts of things. So that are in that are in the stadium. So I, I would be pausing this thing. Maybe that's not the the decision the NBA want want to make or should make from a pure fiscal point of view. But um, health and safe health and safety should be uh, the the priority here. I, I'm probably more. Um, I don't know the right way to say it. I, I want to say almost conservative, but actually radical in the sense of what I would do, which is I would try to do mostly what the NBA is doing, which would be figure out exactly how to get as many games played as possible and make as much money as possible. And like it, the fan thing, I think is separate. That's up to the cities to legislate whether they want to let fans go to stadiums or not. And I don't think the NBA should impose greater rules on that than what the city those teams play in is imposing. And they should allow that if the cities themselves allow it. Uh, for the players themselves, I mean, like the announcers, I mean, the announcers don't have to be up there with the players. They can protect themselves or choose to protect themselves however they want. Like there's there's no reason they need to be interactive uh, with those types of players. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I'd get a bubble, have everyone play in the bubble, bring uh, some people with Omicron and Delta into the bubble, make sure everyone gets sick in the same two-week period, herd immunity for the whole league, uh, cancel two weeks, Playoffs now run till end of June. Everything's good. No, I. I mean, <laughs> just, no. I mean, I, I would. What I'd actually do realistically is I would make it a. Um, I'd make it a seventy-two game season. I would schedule out the games like they are now till April. Whenever you got five guys on your team with COVID, your team would have to pause until you got underneath that number, and then hopefully over that stretch. Uh, you would, you know, be able to get 72 games in and, you know, you, so you're, you aim for 82, you get a minimum of 72, you do makeups where you can, and you just give yourself more time or you, or you run the season up to like, say April 1st and you have two weeks. And then over those two weeks, you just schedule all the makeup games you can that you missed in the beginning and, and go from there. But I just would have built in some type of buffer. That's that's all I would have done. It's, yeah, it's that's my biggest point is I think that was one of the biggest monumental oversights in the history of this league to just assume that this would not be another issue this year. And you you create a schedule without like what you had last year, which is basically some flex and a few weeks where you can throw in some games that were inevitably going to be canceled. It's insanity. Absolute insanity. And I didn't really pay attention to it. I don't know why, you know, because I, I, I find that whole um, – that, that whole rigmarole of running through the schedule ridiculous because nobody knows you know who's going to be good or who's going to be bad as the season goes on, with the exception of myself in, in terms of the Knicks. Um, you know, it just <laughs> I, I think it's insane. You know, like th- that they didn't plan for this in any way, shape, or form. I understand why they're freaking out and why they want to play as many games as possible because it's extremely difficult to you know plan and just assume that the stadium is free for an NBA game and there's a lot of people associated with this event that are depending you know their livelihoods are dependent upon it but uh it's just crazy that they didn't think ahead on this so i guess what um i think what they're doing is probably the best way forward you know if you get enough cases cancel the games and 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 you know try to get the games in if possible if you have enough players but it's a total mess it's not the only league dealing with it. The NFL has got the same issue now too. So good job pivoting away from COVID. I'm glad we we pulled that <laughs> off. Uh, all right, Fred, you you did bring up a, a great segue into our next segment, which I think we're going to have every week from now on a new permanent segment on the podcast. I decided to lean into this. I was initially upset, but I've decided to lean into it. So our new segment for the very first time officially is Fred trashes the Knicks. By bringing up some topic that doesn't really need to be brought up, but allows him to trash the Knicks. 
Fred, what is your topic today that you're going to bring up that allows you to trash the Knicks? Well, uh, I brought up a, one of my polls. I know that they're they're um, <laughs> world renowned, beloved in in Bulls uh, land. Um, in my poll, I'll read it as is: "quote unquote." The Bulls are contending for a title, while the Knicks are about to enter another rebuild. With that in mind, would you support a trade of Kobe White and other less significant assets to match salary? For Derrick Rose to upgrade our scoring punch off the bench. Over a thousand votes for this question. 48% said yes, trade Kobe for Rose. 42% said no, stay the course. And 10% had no idea. Over a thousand votes. And I was 100% serious on this question because what I was trying to get at, albeit with a shot at the Knicks, was that (laughs) if we're going to make a trade, those trades are most likely going to happen with teams that are on a rebuild or teams that are not contending for the playoffs. And that's a very, very small group of teams. I think the Knicks are about to embark on that. It's they're a complete disaster and I'm enjoying every minute of it. But Derek Rose is a player who has a very high ceiling for the next two years. Who's in that window for us. And I think unequivocally a better answer than Kobe white. And I wanted to see what the fan base would say on why would you not make that upgrade at a key position, which Essentially, they play the same position. I guess I'll go over to Mark so he can uh, counter with some points that may or may not be valid. Well, I just the, the first instant thought I have is: Will we ever go an episode without you referencing one of your world famous polls? Do you think that's Probably possible? Not. Or? Well, no? I mean, why? It's a big feature of the show. I think, I oh, think it, it leads to great con- it leads to great conversation that stimulating remember for years. Yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah. when families gather around the fire, this is one of the topics they talk about. <laughs> oh, one yeah. of these polls. Hey, did you see C. Red Fred's poll this week? I'm sure this is what happens at, at dinner. <laughs> is this I'm before sure. or after they throw their sweater into the fire? <laughs> Maybe around the same time. Who knows? Wait, families throwing their own sweater? This is this, this is, is this goes back to. <laughs> I mean, the family can just be husband and wife, Mark. You know, okay, okay, we don't, okay. We don't have kids. All right, no, fair enough, fair enough, fair, fair point. But as to this world-famous poll of yours and question that you've posed. Well, I mean, one, the Knicks aren't going into a rebuild because they're not going into a rebuild. Let, let's let's be serious. Do they have but a as to, Well, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to push along. Like, what? why would they go into a rebuild? And there's still a, there's still a few why? games separating. They're 14. That's why. I mean, they're they're more likely to make anywhere. a big trade than they are to go into a rebuild. Like an actual trade to, to bring through more win-now guys to hopefully push them back into the playoffs. I think that's more feasible uh, for the Knicks uh, to do and they've actually got some assets to make that happen but as to your specific idea like would I rather Derek Rose and Kobe White then yeah why the hell not and um, I'm assuming it works from a trade point of view probably in the bull actually may have to add a piece to that just just due yes. to the, the contract uh, side of things I think Derek's on what like 12 13 million dollars or something like that per 13 for two years 13 so and, and Kobe's at like five or six so it doesn't work from a pure financing Seven, standpoint um, so you would have to add some some further salary into that, and depending on that, who that is, like then then Trey maybe Brown Jr. Just... Wow, there you go. I'm Look, I, I mean that that sure. makes it almost exact match, right? So it was. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wait, are you hesitating because we're throwing in Troy Brown Jr.? Are you kidding me? I'm not I'd hesitating. I'm, I'm just uh, suggesting. I throw him in know, like I throw in. my guitar into the fire. Of course, you throw <laughs> that's Troy that's Brown what I'm. Jr. That's what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at. That you would okay. throw him away for next to nothing. So, um, <laughs> look, I, I would have, I would ho- hope to have grand, you know, more grand plans and going after Derek Rose at the deadline. I would hope to have Kobe involved in a bigger trade package that we've sort of discussed on here before. But if for whatever reason you can't facilitate something like that where you can't package up Kobe with Pat and Derek Jones Jr. and get back a player who makes 20 20 to 25 million, something like that. If if you can't do that and you have to do a trade like this, a uh, consolidation trade type thing, then yeah, fine. Why not? I can't believe that not everyone said yes to this. I can't believe this is like a, not 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 like a near hundred percent. Yes. Did you like, get any justification from those that said no like for no the they said no? Uh, I could read a few of them, but Doug, go ahead and Yeah, I'll the only reason you say no to this is what Mark just said, which is you're hoping to do something more and use Kobe White into something more. But like if you got down to the deadline and there was nothing more and this was on the table, you'd be nuts not to do this. It's like it's a great move if if you don't have something else better lined up. So, you know, I would I would jump at this one if it were available. Um, so here's some of the comments. Nathan Curtis, I'd rather get Knox, which I almost, you know, fell off the desk laughing as soon as I saw that <laughs> sentence. 
Why would you rather get Knox? What has Knox shown in his career that remotely lets you think he's a NBA caliber player? He's a complete bust. You and get I have Knox a gift for free. Yes, exactly. You definitely don't need to trade Kobe White for him. I love Derek, <laughs> but I'm not sure we need another guard. My the whole point here is is the fan base is he's an upgrade over Kobe White, and they're very similar players. That's my yeah. only point. And not only that, some people were saying, "Well, Kobe's a better shooter." Based on what? Based on what? Derek's shooting over 40% from three. You can't just throw that out there. He's a better shooter. No, he's not. Not, 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 not any, uh, any uh, metrics that I've seen. Am I, am I wrong? Am I crazy? No, it's an exact one-for-one guys who do similar things in similar roles, and Rose is just head and tails better than Kobe White. Like, and, and yeah, you would take, you, the Knicks might do it if they were going to rebuild and they wanted to go younger. But the Knicks aren't going to do that trade. So well, it doesn't, see, it doesn't I, really I don't think the Knicks would do it because, like, I don't think why would. would – like, you've got like, Emmanuel quickly coming off the Knicks bench who is a very similar player to Kobe. Then why would they want Kobe? Yeah. I, I agree the Knicks wouldn't do it. I just meant, like – I guess maybe the idea that, like, if a team was going to rebuild, that yeah, you trade yeah, yeah. old for young makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like a team would say, all right, I give up a little bit now. But the Knicks aren't going to do that. Mark's completely yeah. right on that too. Okay. Fair enough. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's a 50 50. I thought yeah. when you read that, I'm like, it's going to be like 98 to two. Like I, I'm, I'm actually shocked that it was 42% were against trading Kobe white. Well, the, the main reason why is because they're all saying, I want Kobe to be a part of a package that would get garner us a big. And my counter to that is Kobe white is not worth a lot right now. And I don't know how he possibly could get, his trade value up high enough before the trade deadline, unless he goes on some like, you know, end of season, any end of rookie year run that he had that would get his trade value up high enough for us to really get a, a big who's worthwhile for him. I could be wrong on that. I don't know, you guys probably agree with me, I hope. No, I, I agree, though. It's weird that you of all people are advocating for a guard trade, given like the last 10 episodes of this podcast where you've said we need a power forward and we need a big man and we should trade Kobe for a guard. <laughs> but, but outside of that, like inconsistency, I completely agree. You're right on all points. Kobe has very little value. It's going to be hard for him to raise his value by the deadline unless he just goes on an absolute tear. And nothing we've seen out of Kobe White this year indicates that a, a massive uh, uh, increase in performance is coming. Yeah, and you may have, or may have not been right that part of the reason for that poll was just I wanted to get another shot in on the Knicks. Maybe that's why there's an official segment for it now. Now you got to every week you got to come up with a way to tie tie in the Knicks because I like I said at some point you just lean in. You're just like it's it's happening whether you like it or not. So you might as well just you know. Hey, can I just say how great is this podcast? I think it's very good. Not this episode. <laughs> I think this episode is pretty good too. I think it's really good. I, I got to sing on it, um, and I got some great news for you guys. I'm almost done with uh, the. Um, oh, Mark! Look at your tweets. <sighs> there a lot like uh, Cowleys. I mean, I gotta say it's the most brilliant thing I've ever done. You brought up a Cowley stat on the show last week. It was a very good one. So Cowley I'm just comes saying, with some good stuff. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I don't know that this song now is a little bit hypocritical. <laughs> you brought up a Cowley topic hey. as a main support for your argument. A little bit hypocritical. You, yeah, and you, you and Cowley are friends as well. Like, you've had I've him always, on your podcast. <laughs> I've never done I that. I, I have no problem with Joe anymore. And, and and you know what? I've always maintained Mark is occasionally right 7% of the time. He's occasionally right. So you got to hand it to him. All right. Uh, oh, thanks so, for that. Great. Uh, <laughs> HP Basketball says the Bulls are looking to make a trade for a defensive wing. And I thought to myself when I read that, the Bulls need a defensive wing. Like, I need a poke in the eye after my uh, laser surgery. Like, does this <laughs> make, make any sense out. to you? Like, no. it's just like they've got Caruso, uh, Hardcourt, <laughs> Hardcourt uh, Paradoxium. or Peroxium. Oh yeah, I got you. I know those yeah. guys. Oh yeah, those guys are. They're cool. they're great. Yeah, HG basketball is great. I love those guys. Um, but they oh, he's blocked me a long time ago. So yeah, but if, they, if no. we're if we're going from Joe Kelly to HP basketball, another person that I dislike on Twitter, oh, you're not going to get much from me on this. I didn't, I didn't even notice. Anyway, they, <laughs> I wasn't aware of this either. Wow, another, oh, wow. another man. Mark Mark has friend got bodies Russia. buried all around him, which is Makoa is, is going after everybody. It's unbelievable. Holy cow! Mount Makoa kind of sounds like a. Hawaiian Island. Um, so anyway, they say we should trade for a defensive wing. And I'm like, we got Lonzo. We got Crusoe. We got Derek Jones Jr. Uh, we got Io. Javante. Like uh, Troy Brown Jr. Maybe kind of as a bad one. Like, like this doesn't Jordan seem Devante. like an area of like huge. Oh, Javante. Yeah. Like that doesn't seem like an area of huge need to me. Like 
am I wrong here? Does that does that not seem like maybe where we would yeah. be going? I mean, firstly, HP Basketball doesn't really have sources, so this is irrelevant. Secondly, yeah, even if he were to have sources, like it's just it doesn't make any sense for the roster anyway. Like why, why the hell would we want a backup wing who can play defense who's not going to be closing games because Lonzo and Caruso are going to be on the floor. Obviously, Levine and Demar are going to be on the floor unless this backup wing can somehow play five as well and um, is, is closing ahead of Vooch. Then why, the, why do they really need a backup wing defender? They don't, they don't really have that. Like the, the entire second unit is defensive guys. So I don't think this is a credible tweet or source or report or whatever hell you want to label it as it's um just a bunch of nonsense in in, in my opinion but um what are you trying to say yeah. mark <laughs> oh i think i was pretty clear what i was quit trying be- to say quit beating around the bush mark's no, got I- next to grind too which is nice to see i thought it was only fred maybe we maybe we need an, another regular segment which is like People on Twitter that blocked Mark because he hates them. Uh, well, I, I tried morons. pitching the subject or the uh, you know the the routine segment of me reading bad Fred tweets on the uh, on the podcast every week. That didn't really <laughs> gain momentum with one particular member of the uh, podcast not wanting that to be a particular segment. But maybe there's there's another oh, segment to be had there. I'm I'm always we should open have a, to we should definitely have a, a we should definitely have a segment where each of us just find bad tweets by the other people. <laughs> Like it would be hilarious just to go and find idea. like the worst takes we've made. I mean, like, I know I got some doozies like in my past, and I don't mind being made fun of for them. Uh, that would be that would be a fun thing to do. All I've right. got a few seven percent of mine. We there. made it this far. So, Mark, I mentioned that uh, the Bulls trade for Nikola Vucevic was a mistake. I would undo it. Uh, <laughs> didn't like it at the time. Didn't like it in the off season. Didn't like it a month ago. Don't like it now. Apparently. Uh, you're not in agreement with this take. No. How, how did this all start the other day? I mean, for me, it started offline listening to the the last Big Red Bus where I believe you guys were going in on this topic then. But it also commenced again on... Tw- oh, that's how it was. I, I was on Twitter banging on about how Vucevic's slump at the moment is, um, you know, basically a mental confidence type thing that for whatever reason, it's not sustainable and he'll bounce his way back out of this because... The, what, what he's doing at the moment is just completely unforeseen, unsustainable, and at some point will we'll write itself. So I think that's where it started on the other day, and um, I was justifying my opinion that way. And then Doug swooped in and, you know, basically uh, triggered me more with um, some anti Vooch takes. So I don't, look, uh, to me, it's just, I, I don't know what more we need to say on this situation, but I, I, I don't think the Vooch trade is bad. I think your evaluation of Vooch as a player is incorrect, which is forming your bad take about why the, the trade itself was bad. And I don't think the Bulls gave up a lot to get Vooch. And I, I maintain that even in, you know, even though right now for through the first 20 games he's played this season, he's been bad. So um, I, I just don't think it's a bad deal. I think in two years, the Orlando Magic will have two players on their roster better than Vooch. That they got for Vooch. Well, I mean, at like, that point, this is going to look like the Bulls trading Curry for uh, Joakim Noah and like Tyrus Thomas nah, and, and nah. whatever. It's going to be. It's going to look like oh, one of those God, types of deals. Please, no, can't be that bad. It's it, is, that bad. it is that bad. This guy is, like I said, he is he is the Ron Mercer <laughs> of centers, below average efficiency. Like for his whole career, for his whole career, Come his on, whole he's career, not that bad. His whole career. Whole career below average league efficiency Did as Ron, a center. Ron Mercer ever centers, make an All Star game? Centers are like ten percent better than other positions, and Vooch is below the league average in true shooting percentage for his career. Not this year, for his whole career, he's below average. A volume scorer that does little else and is below average in efficiency is just not a good player. He's, he's not a great average, player. He's above average passer, above average rebounder. He does some other things outside. Of- Agreed. Scoring that makes this team better. And I think for the next two years, he will be better than Wendell Carter Jr. Despite his horrible start, I think when we look back on the season uh, and hopefully in uh, June and see where we ended up, I think we're going to say, you know what? Vooch had a better year than Wendell Carter Jr. Now, obviously, in the long term, that's not going to happen. In fact, it might happen as early as next year or the following year. But I think... I understand the thinking behind it, but th- my point, this all started when I made the point, spare me of the, I told you Vooch was, uh, was good tweets or, you know, like all these tweets that come out of the woodwork when he has one good game, which like, I need to see a considerable amount of uh, continual 
high-quality play from him to make up for the nonsense we've seen uh, for the first 20 games. That's all my point was, and that's what started this discussion. Well, firstly, on that point, that's a ridiculous statement considering how often you come at me at a, a, about a Coro who has one decent game. and uh, four, four decent games. Or four decent games. Congratulations to Isaac Okoro and the, the Cleveland Cavaliers for that uh, amazing performance. But uh, look, I take your point, Doug, that's, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, he's basically at league average or just a tad below, depending on what year you want to look at. Same is true for, for e-field goal percentage. And the reason for that is he just doesn't get to the free throw line. So naturally, he's not a, an efficient player from a true shooting standpoint, but from a field goal percentage, from a free throw percentage, from a three-point percentage, he's still an efficient player from that sense. He's a jump shooting big. So in, in, in from that point of view, he's not going to wow you from a pure you know, efficiency standpoint. But my, my issue just more, more generally with this whole thing, and maybe it's less with you because you have... I mean, whilst I think you're wrong about the whole Vooch trade itself, my issue is probably more with the people who were you know, adamant that this was a good trade at the time and now... Jumping off the bandwagon and, and just carrying on based on a twenty game sample that, hey, look, actually this deal, deal was bad. Like, oh yeah, you know, a few months ago I was telling everyone that Wendell Carter sucked, but oh by the way, this food trade now is bad because Wendell Carter is good. Like they're they're the people that kind of probably annoy me more because there's an inconsistent inconsistency there. But of more course. generally, like uh, I I still think the Vooch trade makes complete sense because I don't think the Bulls gave up much for Vooch. Like I'm a big Wendell Carter fan. I I'm. I will say I'm the biggest Wendell Carter fan going around. But Clearly if we're not. talking about winning now, this was keeping Wendell Carter made no sense. Neither did the the 21 um, draft pick, like Franz Wagner or whoever the Bulls would have selected with, with that pick. We don't even know if it would have been Franz Wagner. Like they're not contributing to winning right now. So, and obviously the 2023 pick, pick who the hell knows what that becomes. So, if the alternative to Vooch is keeping uh, Wendell, drafting whoever we draft at number eight and keeping that 23 pick, then that doesn't make us better now. Does it make us worse? I think it probably does. And there's certainly not a ceiling to to what this team can be with Wendell in place of Vooch. So I think the pros, from a pure process standpoint, it still makes complete sense to me. And I think still think it was a very good trade. The only counter I would say to that, uh, Mark, is that when you traded those assets, you also lost out on the possibility of getting Ben Simmons, which I think we can all agree would be a much better answer at center. You are going to get Ben right Simmons. No, you could have got Ben Simmons, Simmons. for... No, Let's couldn't. wait till we see what Ben Simmons is traded for, and then we can discuss whether we could have got Ben Simmons. Maybe we weren't right. going to get Ben Simmons. Maybe you're right. Well, regardless... They said there's 25 the players in the league that they would give up Ben Simmons for. I guarantee you Wendell Carter is not one of them, and neither is Franz Wagner. <laughs> Two number ones, maybe right. <laughs> gonna, gonna be, Just going to go out on a limb there. I mean, the problem, I think, my, my bigger point was that I had is, like, you get kind of irritated when Dwayne Dedman, who's averaging uh, uh, six uh, points and six boards, puts up a 2012 on Vucevic in a game, you know. He's been doing this all year. He's been outplayed by guys that have no business outplaying him. Yeah, guys like it's, Wendell it's Carter Jr., well played him. Head Fair to head. enough. So yeah, I guess my my bigger point is he needs to turn it around. Like I he, love the he guy; he's to, a nice guy. He needs I, to turn he around. He and can't. I'm gonna I'm gonna still try and get a rise out of Marco. And I, I thought I was like halfway there until like Keep Fred just like interjected and then calmed things down. Like, but, like well, we'll make a few points and maybe you'll get me fired up because at the moment I've been Look, the one ting off right, here, but right, I just don't right think now, there's anything I don't to know, terrify. I guess we 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 blew too much of the fire on Twitter, but I'll, I'll say <laughs> I think this team would be better right now with Wendell Carter Jr. than it has no. been through 20 no. games. Through the no. 20 games, it would be better with Wendell Carter Jr. than it has been with Vucevic. That might be this, a fair statement. Through Mark. this Why part of the season. That may not no be chance. the case. That may not be the case from here to the end of the season if Vucevic bounces back. But from the beginning of the season to right now, this team absolutely would have been better off with Carter and Wagner. And the other thing I'll say about this is if we had those guys right now, a fair chance we could trade for Sabonis, which would be a huge upgrade and a perfect fit for us. So it's not just like that. You know, if Vooch gets back to where he was, which is like inefficient big man score, but at least somewhat plausible and can hit open shots and give you a 54% true shooting percentage and 38% from three consistently and, you know, at least make teams think about covering him, then yeah, it's going to help. Uh, it's going to help the Bulls a lot and we'll be much better for it. And I mean, I have to think he's going to get closer to that than, than he's been. I mean, like, I, even I don't think he's just this bad. Like I, I do think there's credence to your point that he's in his own head and he should snap out of it over time. It doesn't seem to make sense. There's some reasons, maybe not, but I think he'll get better. But, you know, we could have had, I think we could add Sabonis 
And I think that would be much better than Vucevic. It would have given us a long time frame to build around him and Zach, you know, that we no longer are going to have with Vucevic. And so I think we just went in too early on this move that didn't make sense at the time for a guy that's not that good. Well, I mean, look, I just fundamentally disagree. Uh, look, I, I, there's no proof that to suggest that Wendell Carter and Wagner and a 23 pick would get you Sabonis. There's there's no proof of that. So that's that's pie in the sky thinking. Maybe it's possible, but who the hell knows? Part we'll, of the reason we'll we're able to-, to. Same thing with Simmons, right? We'll see what Sabonis trades for if he's yeah. traded. If he's and traded. Like- and then if, it's, if he's traded for like some great package, then we'll know that I was wrong and it doesn't matter. And if he's traded for whatever, then we'll we can debate about it. Well, I mean, but, but more generally, like who knows what players they get through. But like at the same time, like you, you're basically saying that the pace of it would have to accept Wendell Carter as center for for Sabonis and play Wendell Carter with uh, Miles Turner, which doesn't really make a lot of sense anyway. So Wendell I think it's Carter's more likely a power forward now, Mark. Well, according to Joe Kelly, that's the case. But um, <laughs> yeah, but um. Yeah, look, I, I just think it makes to me. It's the trade still makes a lot of sense from a, if you're analyzing it from a pure process point of view. I think it makes complete sense. There's other points that you were raising the other day that kind of annoyed me, Doug. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how serious you were about them, or if you were just pointing them out just to continue to annoy me. But like Vooch not being suited to be a third option, like I don't think there's any credibility to, to that argument. Like I don't think there's any. I think you're missing context as well in terms of Vooch being an inefficient player in years past. Like, why are we expecting Vooch as a first option who's not really a first option to be efficient as a first option, particularly on a team like Orlando who had no offensive players around him, no ball creation on those specific teams around him, uh, you know, in years past. And similarly, like when we talk about Vooch being like a non-winning player, a, a guy that couldn't lead the Magic past the first round, like again, like why are we... Why are we expecting that to be the case when feasibly we know that's never going to be the case because he's miscast as a first option and those Magic teams stunk. Like, who yeah. was the best yeah. player on the Magic beyond Vooch at that point? Like, Augustine, Aaron Gordon? Terrence Ross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, these are the, he yeah, had no point. guards with him on, um, on, on, on those Magic teams. So, like, good point. all I those like arguments make... Yeah. <laughs> well, you, well, look, there's a change there, I suppose. Maybe you can moderate fighting, this for him. Keep on going at it. Keep on oh, going you've, at walked right, you've walked right into my trap. In yeah, case no, you no. haven't noticed. <laughs> here we go. What are we no, doing So first, first, I just to clear something up, go I on. would never, never say something just to annoy you. Well, like, I, I, I'm not Fred. I would never do that. <laughs> I would never make up an a point just to like annoy you or piss you off. Well, he does that so, to me. So yeah, you would, make sh- you would make stuff up. I would never do that. I would, I would not just try to annoy you. Fred, maybe. You know. Well, I, look, I, so I'll take that as a compliment. Everything I said I meant, which is either better or worse, <laughs> depending on your perspective. <laughs> but so here's to explain all those things, like when you take a guy like this who's inefficient, maybe miscast as a first option, right? Like his team's not winning. He's not good enough to carry a team. Like we, we all agree Vooch is not good enough to carry a team yeah. you know, really deep as a number one option. Mm-hmm. So when you have a guy like that and, and you brought up Zach Levine and Zach Levine's another guy who was like that and was maligned for So was DeMar. Uh, and yeah, so to a lesser extent, Demar because, but yeah, yeah, so Demar to a bit too, a bit too. So when you have a guy, guys like in that, I think there's a couple different options that can happen. One is they can go play with better talent, and you find out that they're really much better than you thought they were, and then afterwards you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't see this coming ahead of time. The other thing that can happen is they can go play with more talent, and you find out like, holy crap, this guy is not any good at all. And that's like the, I'm going to use Kevin Martin as an example of this. Like Kevin Martin was a guy who put up like almost like very similar to Zach Levine, like a very high volume of points, good efficiency, not elite efficiency, but good efficiency and miscast kind of as a number one option. And then he went to the Thunder as like a third option. And he thought like, oh, well, he's got Durant and Westbrook next to him. Of course, he's going to now all of a sudden be this good player. And he wasn't. And so with Vucevic, I don't Kirk feel. Like too. Yeah, almost exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because he led the, led the team in all points. So Vucevic to me is like a guy in this case where like it could have gone either way. Like it could be the case that you're right. Like you put him in as a third option and he thrives and all of a sudden you see him become more efficient. You know, now that he doesn't have all this defensive attention, he's getting open looks and whatever and defenses can't key on him and, he, and all this other stuff. He becomes much better. Or he can go the other way where now he's put in as a third option and all of a sudden, it's like like I noted, like Kevin Love and Chris Bosh were guys who were like this, who they started playing with LeBron, and all of a sudden, their like efficiencies dropped well off, even though no, that's they were incorrect. Not like I want to challenge you on that point, but keep going. 
feel free to challenge me on it. I looked it up like once, like a month ago, and it, it's not, not like they've fallen off like Vuce has, but they had fallen off some. Now their roles also changed. Like Vucevic's role, I think, is more static than their roles were. Like they were getting the ball in the post and doing other stuff. So that difference is not like a perfect example. But so far, what we've seen with Vuce is he doesn't seem to do well as a third option either. And and maybe that will change. Like he said, it's, it's just he's in a mental slump, whatever. But I seriously question whether he is going to do well under the pressure of having to perform and, and have to take these open shots or whatever. Uh, and like sometimes it's like uh, a great example. Is, uh, I, Fred loves to bring up how he plays ba- uh, coaches basketball of, of uh, seventh graders. So I'm going to bring up, you know, my my playing basketball at Lifetime Fitness. When I'm playing like in a, a small quite game or quite, f- quite different with fewer people and I take I have to take a lot of shots, I become a much better shooter. And as soon as I play in like a wider open game and I get the ball a lot less frequently or whatever, and I take fewer shots, my percentages drop massively. And it's just like one of those things. And I, I just wonder if Vooch in a lesser role is a guy who's just not going to do really well. And I, I think there are guys that are like that. And the evidence so far is that he is such a guy. And it didn't have to be that way, but that's what I've seen so far. Well, I mean, look, from a, a pure volume standpoint, like he's still getting 23 shots per 100 possessions in terms of field goal attempts, which is on par with what he was getting in Orlando. Fair. So Fair. it's it's down in Chicago slightly, but he's still getting a ton of volume. So it's not a volume issue for Vooch. Like it's not like he's getting lost in the offense. Secondly, the point I was making the other day, like his shooting profile virtually hasn't changed at all. He's still getting the exact same number of shots from a total point of view. But in terms of where those shots are coming on the court, in terms of shooting zones, whether it's at the rim, whether it's in mid-range, three point, uh, from the three-point line, etc. Like the volume of shots is virtually exactly the same. The only thing that's really changed year on year, whether it was from last season, a couple of seasons ago in Orlando, the only thing that's changed is his efficiency. His, his play finishing, for whatever reason, has just completely fallen off. And I just can't believe that it's anything physical or you know him being lost in the offense because of, you know, we're literally a few months removed from him doing some pretty amazing things when he was here in Chicago, um, you know, for his first 26 games when he came over at the deadline. Maybe a pretty amazing is a bit strong for me, but he was very good when he played his first 26 games for the Bulls. There was nothing there to suggest that this guy was going to fall off to the degree that he's fallen off this season to, for it to be a physical issue. To me, it is a mental thing. He just can't finish his plays right now. And like I said, he's not getting frozen out in the offense. He's not taking more difficult shots. If anything, these shots are more easier and more open for him, but he's just clanking them for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Like I, The only reason, the only explanation I have for it is is, is a confidence thing or the, the yips, as Stefano said on my podcast the other day. Like, There's no other explainable, explainable reason for this because... You know, he's still getting all the good shots. He still physically looks fine. I don't think, and this is another thing we're going back and forth on, like maybe he's just not conditioned enough, but I I don't think that's a a credible argument either. Like this, within the actual detail of this, it doesn't seem like Vooch should be playing as poorly as he is. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, if we expand the the sample over the course of the season, things will start to progressively right itself. I'm hoping that's the case. But simultaneously as well, like if this is a confidence thing or the yips or whatever the hell you want to call it, then maybe it continues to go on. And maybe you know, I, I got to yeah, jump in here too. And just to, I hate to do this, but I have to. I think Mark's right on this point, Doug. If you look at it, I think his worst games of the season have come in the last few, especially against Miami, when he actually moved up the rung with uh, DeRozan out, where he was actually getting more shots. He was absolutely awful in that game. And I, I think the Bulls have generated many, many good looks for him this year. Uh, and he's just not hitting those shots at an acceptable rate. Like, he's at 34% now from three. You know, it's so key for him to hit at 38% or more. That four percentage points makes a massive difference of people actually coming out to guard him and creating other opportunities for other players on the team. I think he's getting great shots. He's just not hitting them anywhere near, like, at the level he should be. And that's why I kind of believe that this is eventually going to turn around. It just makes no sense to me that he's struggling this bad. I think he's just in a slump, and... We've seen players get an extended period, extended slump like this. Look how good he was in the six for six game when he hit the threes, and he basically won that game for us. So I think we should see considerably more of that in the second half of the season. I just want the people to stop uh, sending out the tweets. I told you so because it's nonsense. You know, he's 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 really played poorly for the first several months so far. So I'm going to say one more thing about all of this is uh, I view all these things, and one of the things I hate arguing with people about on Twitter or anything else is you get these people, everything is very black or white. 
I thought this, I thought that, I'm right, you're wrong. Well, all of these things exist on a range of possibilities, right? Like, like it wasn't like I was sitting here when this trade was made going, I didn't like the trade, but it wasn't like sitting there going like, I can't see any way this is going to work. You know, I think Vooch is definitely going to be really bad. I think Wendell Carter is definitely going to be really good. I think the picks are really valuable. It was like, you look at all those things as a range of possibilities. Like there's a possibility. I thought there's a very real possibility. Carter would be better than Vooch in two years. It doesn't mean I was certain that would happen or this is definitely going to happen. Like there's obviously the chance that things could go either way. Like, like, like GMs don't make trades, generally speaking, that are so stupid, you know, a hundred percent how it's going to go. Right. So, so people shouldn't like get too up on their high horse, whether they're right or wrong at one particular issue, because if you had to measure your performance over a thousand issues, it's like very difficult. You know, it's like anyone can just make a take and be right about something and refer to it. And that's why we could go back through all of our Twitters and find some stuff. I'm sure we all said that was ingenious and find some stuff. We all said that was laughably stupid. Like that's just, just the way it is. Like, you know, it's like things, things exist on a range of possibilities. And so I guess that's all I want to say about that. Like I, 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 I don't know that Vooch is going to get better. I don't know if it's purely mental. I, I, you know, I, I mentioned, I feel Vooch looks more tired. And that could also be just coming back from COVID. Like some guys have this like little bit long-term conditioning thing with COVID, but I've seen him like huffing and puffing at times when he's moving down the court. Uh, and I, I, I postulated just a theory. I don't know that's true, but like the bulls run a lot more breaks if he has to, to sprint on offense. And then when you're on defense, you're using energy pretty much the entire time you're on defense. Most times the bulls have short offensive possessions, long defensive possessions. That's a recipe for more energy usage. Um, I don't know specifically if what Vooch is doing in the offense and defense is different for Orlando that makes that true or not true. Just throwing it out there as a possibility and, you know, maybe, maybe BS. It may just be all mental. Like you said, maybe it just snowballed. It was some bad luck and now he's in his own head and he can't get out of it. I don't know. Hopefully, I hope it turns around though. You know, for all, all the crap I give Vooch and for saying I'd undo this trade, it doesn't matter. We can't undo it. We are where we are. Vooch is here. I hope I hope he turns it around, and I hope the two of you get to give me all kinds of crap because at the end of the year, he's shooting 42% from three and, you know, just, just killing it for the team, and and I'll uh, I'll do something embarrassing to uh, make up for being <laughs> such an idiot. That would be the best uh, best case scenario. Well, let me close with this. So in terms of field goal percentage by distance, zero to three feet, Vooch this season is shooting 53.6%, which is really bad particularly yeah. for a center with his abilities. His career percentage from that range is basically 66%. Oh he hasn't been under 60% ever at any point during his career, even when he was a rookie, even when he wasn't, you know, the the, the focal point like that he was in Orlando. So that seems completely unsustainable, unsustainable. Unforeseen, yep. unforeseeable. Like you couldn't have predicted this. I, so I take your point that there were a range of outcomes, Doug. That is certainly true. But as to what we've seen from Vooch this season, uh, that was not foreseeable. And, and the same is true... You know, across other zones on the court, like f- from three to ten feet, he's shooting thirty thirty-seven uh, percent. Oh he's God. a career forty-seven percent, forty-eight percent shooter from that zone. So again, another like 10, 11 percentage points down this season compared to just his career. And the same is true against a, a whole bun- a whole bunch of other shooting zones. So to me, I take your point. It, was there a chance in a couple of years' time that Wendell is better than Vooch? Yes, a hundred percent. I completely subscribe to that theory because I'm obviously, like I said, a big Wendell fan, and Vooch is thirty-one at this point, so there will be a natural trade-off. But I, I yeah, Vooch being this bad this season was not foreseeable. Uh, in terms of the range of outcomes, no one could have predicted this. Vooch himself couldn't have predicted this. A tourist couldn't have predicted this because the, the way he's fallen off to this point is just unforeseeable so uh, i guess that's my 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 closing statement on this just to be clear i did not foresee which being this bad (laughs) i didn't remotely see it so i didn't i didn't my my bigger concerns were more the age and and i i thought he was going to have a big drop off i made the comment that centers over 30 don't last very long and i thought he was gonna have a big drop off but i expected it to start in like another year and i don't think to your point that it's a physical decline yet at least not purely, maybe maybe that's like 5% of the equation or 10% of the equation, but I don't think it's like 90% of the equation that he's just like lost it. Like maybe there's a, a little bit there, but I, anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I, would, that, that, I, would ex- I would expect it to be a little bit more gradual than the, uh, the gargantuan yeah, yeah, you, you, you don't just, that we've seen. You don't fall off a cliff like that. Like no. that. Yeah, I agree. That's I mean, a lot of things change for Vooch, you know, between, you know, team, system, teammates, you know, a lot of stuff. Fred, you've been waving your hand. Oh, no. Well, I I have two uh, listener question, trade questions. Two listener questions. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that and wrap it up or? 
So yeah, I got, a, I got a great story time today, too. Okay, cool. All right, so Joe Peppers, great listener and uh, participant on Twitter, asked, if you are the Bulls and Knicks, would you trade Vucevic, P-Will, and Kobe, and a first for D-Rose and Randall? Vucevic, P-Will, and Kobe, and a first for Rose and Randall. You'd have Ball, no. Levine, DeRose, and Randall, Bradley. That's enough for me. Yeah, I think I'd probably do that. Oh, Randall's been bad this season. I've not looked at Randall this season. Bad. I don't know. He has compared, to, compared, compared to, to last season. year. Yeah, when he was in that yeah, I, conversation, he's, I haven't looked at Randall this season. So I, I'm I thinking of Randall. Call. I'm thinking of Randall last season. So if he's doing much worse, I would he's doing significantly worse. Like yeah. if we're talking, there's been a lot of players that have. For whatever reason, I'm performing this season. You know, Vooch is obviously one where we spent the last 20 minutes talking about him, but, you know, Bradley Bill, Dame. James Harden, Dame. Yeah. There's a number of players who aren't really playing, and Randall's another one. Like, he was shooting 40% from three last season. I think he's down to, like, 33% this season. His defense has regressed. Uh, yeah, not interesting. All right, you talked me out of it. Talked me out of it. Good right, job, one, Mark. One more I thought was interesting from <laughs> Brett Rappaport. Would you trade Lonzo for Sabonis? A few friends who know B-Ball told me they wouldn't even consider it, and it surprised me. They're basically the same age. Sabonis already a two-time All-Star, where Lonzo hasn't even sniffed one. Also, we have much more perimeter strength with Zach and Damar than we do on the inside. This isn't a knock on Lonzo. I like him, and obviously got to give up something to get something. Interesting question. Nah, I wouldn't. I would do that one. It would be weird, though. You would need to find a trade for Vooch for a guard. If if you did that, you need to find another another trade to balance out the roster afterwards. Yeah, I'm I'm very much against pairing Vooch and Sabonis. Doesn't make any sense to me. And Lonzo's been a big part as to why the defense for the the, the Bulls are the, you know the way they're playing defense, but obviously the result of the defense as well. Like he's been a, a big part of that. Yeah. Um, and it would do I think fundamentally good, break the team? Yeah, it would it would just shift completely how you're going to play play the game. And you know the Bulls have found a winning formula at the moment. I'm not interested in breaking that up. Um, Lonzo is not as good as Sabonis, but in terms of fit, in terms of what the ramifications mean for the wider team, I, I wouldn't pursue that trade if that is just the, to your point, Doug, if that is just the the only move that is made, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, it kind of depends a little bit to me what you could get for Vucevic back. Like if you could move Vuce for a guard that was decent, you know, like a good guard, but maybe underperforming, but could give you some of what Lonzo is doing, but just not maybe not as good but like you know similar than i would i would do it but you you do absolutely need to then trade vucevic you cannot pair sabonis and vucevic together we we also had another didn't you send us an email uh fred that um you got in from uh from listener kevin grabowski i believe yeah, there was another I, I trade can't find suggestion. that one do you have it can you read that i, I can't yeah find i've it. got it i've got it in front of me so this one came in from kevin so shout out to kevin um he he basically has thrown out a potential trade, a three-way trade, and I'll try to get through this because there's, there's a lot of moving parts in here, but it's essentially a three-way trade between the Bulls, Kings, and 76ers. So essentially, the Bulls are trading Darius Jones Jr., Kobe White, and the Portland uh, 2022 first-round pick, which doesn't look like it's going to uh, convey to the Bulls this season given how bad the Blazers are looking right now. In that trade, the Bulls will receive Harrison Barnes. The Sixers will trade out Ben Simmons. They would receive... Um, Fox from the Kings, Kobe White, uh, a bunch of picks from the Kings and the, the Portland pick from the Bulls. And the Kings in this deal would basically receive Derek, Derek Jones Jr. and Ben Simmons, and they would send out Harrison Barnes, Fox, and a couple picks. Uh, so if that wasn't too complicated to read out, and if people can maybe comprehend that, like what are we thinking about this one? So I, I guess large the, the main point of the deal is um, – the, the Kings get Simmons, the Bulls get Barnes, and the 76ers get Fox and a bunch of periphery pieces like Kobe White and Picks. So all I'd say about this is there's no reason for the Bulls to be in this trade. Mm-hmm. Like, if if the Kings and the 76ers wanted to trade, they would just trade Fox and Barnes for Simmons. Well, maybe like they the don't Bulls want Harrison Barnes. That's the, the issue. Why would the Simmons not – why would the 76ers trying to win now want a bunch of Picks rather than Harrison Barnes? Well, like, maybe uh, they untrade them. Maybe they untrade I mean, them for something else. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't see there's any value. Like the Bulls are getting a steal on this, and they're getting a steal because the other teams are getting less. There's no reason for. I mean, like I would do it as a Bulls fan. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's it, like I just the the other teams aren't going to say, yeah, let's give the Bulls extra value. Like there's there's no reason for us to be involved. Like we're not what we're getting is is uh, is worth more than what we're giving up. Like uh, the like. 
Philadelphia would just not have us in this trade. Yeah, Hinky's not there anymore. <laughs> I actually think this is a reasonable trade, to be honest with you. And the, my only holdup with this is like with the Kings, re- uh, sorry, the 76ers, would they really want De'Aaron Fox? Because he's been quite bad this season and he's probably not even playing better than Tyrese Maxey this season. And, you know, he, what are you doing with Maxey at that point? Like Fox and Maxey, maybe you've got too much crossover there, but... I actually think the deal itself more generally is pretty interesting. I think Simmons is a good chance to get to Sacramento. Um, maybe the Bulls sweeping in on that and getting a guy that I've wanted from pretty much the moment Patrick Williams went down in injury uh, in Harrison Barnes. Like, I don't know. I like this deal. Maybe it, does, maybe it doesn't make sense for the 76ers, but uh, I like where your head's at, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I think from a Bulls perspective, we're all in. Yeah. All three of us. Yeah, I agree. Sure. If, if you could just get Co- Harrison Barnes for Kobe White, and the first Derek rounder, Jones Jr. and yeah. Derek Jones Jr. You do it. Yeah, you just do it. Like, like, like. So that's our end of it. I just don't. I just don't think that's enough to make it make it happen. Maybe it is though. Yeah. Depending what goes going on with Sacramento, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, like, even even if you throw the 76ers out of it, right? Like, if Sacramento decides, like, what are we really going to do with Harrison Barnes for another year and a half? You know, you could see where they would say, "Yeah, I'll I'll take this deal." I mean, they, or if they shop him, and it's like, "This is the most we can get is a first round pick in Kobe White." And in, in salary filler, it's not crazy that that would be the best they could get. Harrison Barnes isn't some like amazing prospect or value on the market. Like well, that might be the high offer on him, so it might not. But it's not totally crazy that it would be. Well, yeah, there was a report going around the other day that the Kings are trying to make some more win now moves to to push for the playoffs this season. So who the, who the hell knows what that means? Maybe Was that, that on HP it? Basketball? <laughs> Maybe Joe Kelly. No, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember who reported that, but. Um, <laughs> That's Probably a- someone with a little bit more credibility than both of those lads, but um, it, oh, it, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, I'm in I a got, giving uh, mood. It's the holiday spirit. I'm in a giving mood. <laughs> yeah, you've been real, <laughs> real joy today. Go ahead, uh, Doug. <laughs> I got, I got, a, I got a story time. If you guys want a story, I got a time. good one too. Go ahead. All right, I've actually got a story time that's mine, and I got a story time my daughter told me, which is from Reddit, which is just hilarious that I almost want to share, but we'll. <laughs> We'll, we'll maybe leave that one alone since it's not a personal one. All right. I don't know. Fred, you taught your daughter how to drive, right? Yeah. At the uh, now arena parking lot. I have, uh, I've taught one of my two kids how to drive. The other one is still in, uh, in process. And uh, so- Paige? She's not driving Paige. yet? You got to no, be kidding no. me. She's as old as yeah. my daughter. Yeah. Like, she's how 16, old are your kids? Six, mine are 16 and 19. 16 and 12. And you can drive earlier in the US, yeah? It's yeah, you, you get your learner's permit at 15. You're oh, eligible okay. to get your license at 16. Wow. And many kids uh, who are very excited about driving, basically the day they turn 16, they go get their license. So yeah. my daughter is about 16 and three quarters, 16 okay. and a half or so. Oh, my son's 13. Has, what am I talking Hasn't got a license yet. Yeah, go so the very first Shut, time we sorry. go out driving. Sorry, Ben. Go ahead. Very first time we go out driving, uh, I take her to a parking lot, church parking lot. It's got like, you know, like uh, kind of a few like small trees. Like, like, you know, that next to like the parking spots. Oh, it's the very first time she runs into a tree with the car. It's the side of a tree with the car. I don't yell at her at all, which is a miracle, but not at all. I'm just like, all right, it's okay, honey. Let's keep, because she's very sensitive and I'm like, this is going to be bad. So, um, she's a little scared. She's a little rough driving. Right. And, uh, so if you don't know, you have to drive a minimum of 50 hours before you're eligible to get your license. You're going to log it and all sort of stuff. We drove around my block. My one block, which is just a residential block, and it's got like no outlets except to a street like uh, two blocks down. Like, so it's like it's like a single block kind of like at the end of a cul-de-sac. So basically there's zero traffic, zero anything on this block. We spent 50 hours just driving around this block, <laughs> just lefts and rights, just, just driving around the block. That's it. Yeah. Like it was ridiculous how much time we spent just driving around the block. But it was the only way I could get her to drive at all. So finally, just recently... I get her driving on major roads. Like I'm looking for incentives. I'm like, I'm like, I'll pay you 15 bucks an hour for every hour you drive, but you have to do these things like, cause she wants money. Like I'm, anything I can come up with, right. To get her to drive. And so eventually I get her driving on kind of like normal streets. Now she won't make lefts. So I got to <laughs> only drive rights. We can only drive rights. So anytime we go somewhere, I got to make a route that only has right-hand turns. And then if I do that, she'll, she'll kind of drive there most of the time. And so we got her driving around. And so um, today I, I started like, oh, you're gonna, she wants to go to school and you know, it's really cold in Chicago and she used to wait outside for the bus. So I said, if you drive to school 
I'll, you know, I'll take you every day, but you have to drive. And so when you, you go to school, like she doesn't want to go in the parking lot because there's a million kids and stuff. So we'll, we'll drive a block away from the school. There's a side street. There's a back way. We'll stop there. We'll switch. I'll do the part to the school. So all good. So we've been driving to school. So today we go to drive to school and we're backing out of the driveway. Not exactly a strength just yet backing <laughs> up. And our neighbors have thrown away some televisions like our across the street neighbors. Yeah. And uh, so these are the televisions from like the 90s. I'm like talking about like the 100 pound tube televisions. So the ones like Fred's just go. Yeah. Yeah. The kind <laughs> I see in the background right now behind Fred. Kind of using as a computer screen. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gigantic tube TVs. So she's backing up and she's not got a good angle to the street. And she's about to hit these TVs. So I'm like, stop, 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 stop. So she slams on the gas, Ooh. trying to slam on the brakes. <laughs> So we back into these TVs at like 50 miles an hour in reverse. The televisions go flying. Jeez. I mean, like it launched. These There are two of them. It launched these two TVs oh like 10 feet backwards. And she just starts like in utter panic. And so we... We stopped the car. I didn't have to go pick up these TVs and move them. Now, I, I'm still like not at full strength from my surgery. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to like move these like, like just massively heavy TVs, like carry them around in the cold to get them back on the curb. And uh, we get them back on the curb. And uh, she did not drive to school that day. So that <laughs> is, uh, that is my, my story. And I am I'm waiting to see how tomorrow goes. If, uh, Sounds like she needs another 50 hours. That's yeah, constructive criticism, but... Um... Around the block. <laughs> in reverse. Yeah, maybe, in reverse. Maybe outside <laughs> of the block as well. Maybe some left turns. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that, was, that was my story of the day. Well, right, I've, still got, uh, I've still got 16 years before I have to worry about that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that, Self-driving like... cars by the time you get there, Mark. Self-driving yeah, that's cars. true. Hopefully. I don't want to go through that that pain but um yeah we'll see all right my friends that'll that'll do it for uh this edition of the bulls beat thank you for listening as always for doggy mark uh we will talk to you guys next week